friends, our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Here, God speaks directly for the first time to Abram, the patriarch, the man whose family would become, over many generations, the people Israel. As we prepare to hear this word, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would enliven this word for us today so that it might speak truth to us, that hearing it, we might learn to obey your will and to follow Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Hear these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is the word of the Lord. From the very beginning, God's story has been about blessing. Over and over again, did you hear it? God said to Abram, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. What's more, I will bless the people who bless you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abram got the point. Scripture tells us that he heeded God's call and started walking, leaving behind the security of home for the danger of the road. I can only imagine that along the way it was that promise of blessing that kept him going. It stuck in his mind. It kept him going when the going got rough, when the sandstorms raged, or when bandits threatened, when his feet hurt from walking, or when his 75-year-old back ached from sleeping on the ground every night. It helped Abram to think about blessing and to know that he, he in particular, was bound to be blessed by God in perpetuity with no takebacks. Remembering God's blessing made it possible in the long night to roll over, to get some rest, and to hit the road the next morning. But it was not easy. Even after the blessings started to pour in, God had specified that for Abram there would be land, there would be descendants, and there would be fame. People thousands of years later would be talking about him, and here we are. But even as God's promises to Abram started to come true, there were twists and turns, dangers and disappointments. God guided Abram to the promised land of Canaan, but Abram found that he was unwelcome there, made to live on the fringes and eventually to settle all the way down in the Negev. That's a region whose name literally means dry. So God promised land, 
and delivered a desert. As for the multiplication of Abram's descendants, God could not have gone about it in a more complicated way. First, the name change. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. It seems like a small distinction, but it was God's way of doubling down on the promise. That added syllable changes the meaning of the name from high father to father of a multitude. But it still took Abraham 25 years, a lot more back and forth with God, and a lot of family drama before he and his wife Sarah could conceive. And once Isaac was born, in a bizarre twist, God commanded Abraham to kill him. Now, spoiler alert, God intervened just in time, and Isaac survived to have children of his own. And so Abraham's family did grow, and God's promises began to be fulfilled. Still, I doubt that Abraham ever would have said that he was too blessed to be stressed. (laughs) What I mean is this. Abraham's life was not made more comfortable. It was not made easy by virtue of his being blessed. Now, blessed is a word many of us see, hear, and say a lot. Some people even think that it's suffering from overuse. It's all over social media. Users caption their posts with the hashtag blessed to celebrate their good fortune in everyday life. Blessed has been called the most annoying hashtag because it can sound a lot like bragging. But the last I checked, there were still nearly 100 million posts on Instagram alone that use it. We take a picture. We call ourselves blessed. We call ourselves blessed when the house sells or when the college acceptance arrives. We count ourselves blessed. Blessed when our kids are looking particularly cute. Blessed when the week of our vacation comes. Blessed when the pumpkin spice latte is set before us, piping hot and perfectly poured. Take a picture. Say you are blessed. Now, you might say that it's good to be so aware of these things, to see what you have, to recognize it as a gift, and to be grateful. Consider yourself blessed. What's wrong with that? Only this. If we limit our understanding of God's blessing to include only the most picture-perfect moments of our personal lives, we are likely to miss a lot of what God is doing. Remember Abraham's circuitous, difficult journey. And furthermore, remember that God's ultimate blessing came through the cross of Christ, through an event of profound ugliness, rejection, failure, and suffering. It was in that person and in that event that we and all the families of earth were ultimately blessed. Knowing that, believing as we do, we would be remiss to confine God's activity only to our good times and our happy places. Because God is always calling us out of our comfort zones and into the unknown. So it was with Abraham, and so it is with us. 
without warning, much less a clear itinerary. God says, go, and we're off into the wilderness, into the open and empty spaces where God's life overflows, into the dark, into the shadowy places where God's light can shine most fiercely. For us as believers, these are the places where we can trust in our own power the least, where we have to lean on God. So these are the moments then. These are the moments when God's love can truly be felt, when our faith is kindled. These are the moments when we might truly call ourselves blessed, when we are in need, and when we find ourselves met by God. Still, sometimes I think we are inclined to choose earthly comfort over divine blessing. The author Frederick Buechner put it this way, with plenty to eat in the refrigerator, with a roof over our heads and a car in the garage, we assume that the empty feeling inside must just be a case of the blues that can be cured by a weekend in the country or an extra martini or the purchase of a new TV. And so our spiritual hunger goes unsatisfied, our need for God unmet, and we get stuck. We get stuck, which is a problem because our part in the story has always been to move. Even before God blessed Abram, God got him moving. And that is our calling too, to be active in our faith. It's God who blesses, but God's blessings flow in and through God's people out into the world. We have been blessed to be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. We were meant to receive grace but also to pass it on with our words and with our actions. And the need is great. The need is great. I recently read an article by the Christian journalist Jonathan Merritt. And Merritt talks about how the spiritual vocabulary of Americans is in decline. Merritt claims that based on his research, while more than 70% of Americans identify as Christians, you would never know it by listening to them. Technology has allowed Merritt to research and to chart the frequency of sacred speech across centuries of literature in the English language. And doing so shows that, at least in writing, God talk is dwindling. And it's not just the technical churchy words like salvation or redemption. Simple terms of Christian morality like love and patience, kindness and gentleness, forgiveness and thankfulness. It's these words that appear to be fading from our discourse. And if Christians aren't talking the talk, is there any chance we're walking the walk? Maybe. But do acts of love and mercy make it on to your to-do list? 
to feed the hungry, to quench the thirsty, to visit the sick, to comfort the hurt, to liberate the oppressed, or just to befriend the person you really don't want to know. I wonder if these things take central place for us. I wonder how we might begin to offer the world in and through our lives an alternative to the shallow spirituality of our time. How might we begin to offer an alternative to a popular religion which accepts only the good things and never calls God by name? Stepping out in faith is bound to be uncomfortable, perhaps now in the 21st century more than ever before. But it's who we are. What Abraham's story reminds us is that for us, there is always time for a new start. It reminds us that God goes with us in that. And that along the way, it's all right to walk, even to hobble sometimes so long as we show up in the places where God shows us. So friends, let's do consider ourselves blessed and remember ourselves loved. But in this season of stewardship especially, let's also ask God, where to next? Asking is the faith of Abraham, the faith of our fathers and mothers, asking and trusting God and receiving God's blessings when and how they come in unexpected times and in unexpected places to people as flawed as we are. Will you pray with me? God of grace, our thoughts often turn to the world outside and to the future ahead. We trust in your power, your power to do new and wonderful things, both in this building and beyond it, Lord. So we're asking, where, where would you have us go? Oh God, we trust you in all times and places with all our days. May we, may we be unafraid to get uncomfortable if it means following you. Meet us on the road and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.